Welcome to Changing Reels, a podcast that aims to change the conversation on diversity and representation in cinema one reel at a time. My name is Courtney Small, film critic at Cinema Access. I also contribute to ThatShelf.com and InTheSeats.com, amongst other sites. And I'm also the co-host of the podcast Frameline. If you're a longtime listener of the show, apologies for the lengthy hiatus, but life got busy, there was film festivals, and just general life responsibilities. If this is your first time taking in the show, I'm honored to have you with us today. Speaking of honored, I have the pleasure of being joined today by fellow Rotten Tomatoes-approved film critic Carolyn Morissette, the creator of the website View from the Dark. Carolyn's work has also appeared in Rumor Magazine, Graveyard Shift Sisters, the Encyclopedia of Japanese Horror Films, the Encyclopedia of Racism in American Films, and she is one of the programmers of the Blood in the Snow Film Festival. Carolyn, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? Hi, Courtney. Thanks for having me back. I'm I'm doing well. Yeah. Excellent. Today, we're going to talk about the 2019 film Atlantics by actor-director Matty Diop. This film's kind of tough to describe because there's a lot going on and it's almost best if you go in not knowing it. So I'm going to preface this by saying that the film is streaming on Netflix. Uh, we're going to do a deep dive into it. So if you want to pause the episode and, and come back to it after you watch it, we highly recommend it. Atlantics is a film that follows Ada, a young woman who is madly in love with a construction worker named Suleiman, despite the fact that Ada is actually supposed to marry the wealthy Omar in 10 days. However, when Solomon takes off to sea in search of better job opportunities, a lot of strange things start to happen in Dakar where this film is set. I think that's probably the best place to to leave things and, and, and jump on in. So, Carolyn, do you want to just give me your initial thoughts on Atlantics? I was really moved by it. Like, it's all beautiful. I think the thing that got me the most was the beauty of the film and how um, it was it was. A quietly emotional it wasn't like bombastic um it was just you know things happened in real life like a slice of life and it was very quiet and and it was just it was extremely moving for me so yeah i think i've seen it like three times now <laughs> like it's i love that movie so much yeah it, it caught me off guard uh, the first time i saw it was at tiff last year and was kind of captivated by what i was seeing because it's such a unique film and i like how, how you said but you know it's quietly emotional i also found it quietly haunting you know it's it's a really interesting film that feels like a hybrid of various genres while still feeling totally unique if that if that makes any sense yeah absolutely it it really is a hybrid and and there's a lot of influences there and there's a lot of films that you pop into my head when i watch it and even when i was doing my research there was like a couple of other films i'm like oh right that kind of makes me think of this film and that just proves that she's really skilled in something really unique i mean i guess the the obvious main element is the ghost story but you know it's all it's also a love story it's also a really interesting commentary on the the economic state of the world right i would even say it's also a film about female independence and ideals of masculinity in terms of being providers and going on so let's let's talk about the the ghost story aspect first yeah do you think that it was really like did it play with a lot of the tropes that you're familiar with as a as a person who who loves horror films or did you find that you have brought interesting new twists to it it was unexpected like i did not i went in without knowing much and i didn't want to know much i knew it was by a female black director and i knew that 
that it was about, you know, young people in the car. So that's all I wanted to know. And then when the ghost story aspect came, it, it kind of blew me away. And I was watching it with my boyfriend and he actually pointed out a, a film that, as I was saying before, it kind of referred to other films. Uh, we were thinking of The Fog in a way. Oh, yep. Yep, that's a that's a very good reference, actually. Yeah, because it kind of mimicked it in, in that way, but it was completely new. And I really liked that she used all the women in the town. It, it was like kind of um, like an old school uh, fisherman's folktale kind of thing, but it was new. And that's what I really loved about it. And I loved the subtlety of how they showed that these women were possessed. Yeah, I just really, I loved the way she approached it. When the film starts, it feels like it's going to be just a traditional love story. And then when Solomon takes off to sea and doesn't return, you start to really notice certain things that you didn't clue into before so if like for example the women are at the the club kind of disappointed when they realize that their men aren't there there's a shot of ada sitting just with the strobe lights hitting her and the, the lights look like little little green circles right. just kind of washing over her and there's a lot of that kind of circular imagery as the film goes on but then once you realize that the men aren't coming back or at least not in the traditional way we expect then you start to think of, well that shot with the green lights that seems more now like the soul's kind of washing over her right yeah. What you initially see in the film and you're like, wow, there's there's a lot of subtleties that are leading you into this ghost tale, but you don't realize it until you're like deep into it. I watch a lot of paranormal shows. So you pointing out that those orbs of light, like that's uh, an indication of a spirit. I don't know if that was intentional, but that is totally you know like the presence of a spirit so you're absolutely right i could be reading way too much into it but there's a shot watching it again recently where there's like this big statue that's I believe on this resort yes. it's close to, to the seaside and it's a woman's face and then side um, part of it is there's a lot of like different holes all around it right and yes. to then when i'm thinking back you know watching it now knowing what to expect i found it kind of interesting because as you've pointed out it's predominantly the women who are either directly involved with the men that took off at sea they're all the ones that get possessed by the spirit so you know there's that great shot where Ada's finally hears about the events that happen at sea and the camera just kind of shows all the the different women sitting around the club but you see through the reflection all the men that I guess have in, embodied them for that period and it's just really well done I don't know I found it beautiful but also a little sad too so true like you it just breaks your heart when you see like the the actual men in the reflection and um, to that point of sadness, it really struck me, you know, when all the guys are leaving the construction site and they're in the truck and they're singing songs and there's just a shot of Suleiman's face and you see he's just so like distraught and he's hopeless and he's trying to keep it together with his buddies. That really got me. Like you could just see how he's like, I really need to get my life together, you know? And how many, like, young men in Senegal or, like, young men all over the world that are trying to make their lives better, but because of the powers that be, they can't do it? There's, like, an overtone of, like, sadness, but um, it, there's also hope as well because it's, like, it's real life. You know, you have, like, some really crappy days, but you got to keep that hope alive kind of thing. With the sadness, it also, at least for me, brought a unique look at the the migrant crisis that we're experiencing currently we, uh, we see it in europe we see it in, in north america and often at least with the films that i've been watching recently when they talk about the migrant crisis crisis is usually done in the documentary form and there's i guess 
two common types that we see a lot in the cinema. The Syrian migrants, the, the migrants that are coming from war-torn lands, and the European and North American view of, oh, they're coming to steal our jobs, we, we don't have room for them, send them back, send them back. And then you also see the plate that a lot of these people have who just simply want to live. You know, their, their homes are being bombed daily. We don't often get to see the economic plate of migrants. As we've said, these are men who have to provide for their mothers, their sisters, their their wives, children, and they're getting screwed by the capitalist system that should, in theory, be empowering them. When the souls come back, one of the things is that they, they want their money. You know, they know that they can't do anything with it themselves, but they want what is owed to them. And they're like, we want we want our money and you have to dig our grave. And they were laughing at him like, oh, you can't even dig, you know. <laughs> yeah, which is a powerful commentary on the people who are making tons of profit off of the laborers are the ones that can't even do a simple thing of like put a shovel in the ground. They wouldn't know how to do it well or efficiently. I found that really interesting, and I saw a lot of films in 2019, especially at TIFF, where it was looking at like the economic divide. Um, you have this film, Parasite, is another one that really hits it. There was a film called Workforce from Mexico that was very similar about workers getting screwed over by their boss and kind of taking matters into their own hand. And if cinema is a reflection of of our world, it's interesting to see that we are now getting this view of of migration and also just this view of the economic divide and it's becoming more prevalent in in the cinema yeah absolutely it's happening in front of our eyes right now it's um the rich are getting richer poor are either getting poorer or they're you know like you have your quote-unquote middle class and people aren't even being paid a proper living wage so you could be working full-time but you know in a western world you're not even making enough to kind of get by. So you can imagine if you're coming over from another country and you have nothing and you're starting with nothing, like how intensely terrifying that is. So I think it's a really good thing that, you know, art is now reflecting what's happening. However, I don't know if it's going to do anything, you know, it's great on one hand. And then on the other hand, it's like, okay, yeah, we all see it now, but I really wish it would incite some action, but who knows, maybe it will. I mean, it might be still early days. It actually reminded me of, you know that Michael Haneke film, Cachet? Have you seen that one? Oh, I love that one, yes. It kind of made me think of that as well, because in my 20s, I went to Paris for a summer, and I was working as an au pair, and I had to stay at the woman I was looking for. Her friend needed a babysitter for a night, so I went over, and she was living in an Algerian section of Paris. So it wasn't, the, it wasn't a great part of town, but, you know, I slept over and in her house, and looked after her kids and it was really eye-opening just to see the way um, Algerian immigrants were being treated and it just made me think of that movie like Atlantics made me think of Cachet and then the denial of what had happened to the Algerians over there and even one of my friends that I traveled with her family's from Africa and actually one of her cousins is from Senegal and so she told me her cousin told me to make sure I had my papers at all time because there was a lot of racial profiling. And this was in the early 90s. I'm going to ask you to see your papers because you're a person of color. So you don't have it easy. 
you don't. We'll never have it easy if you're a person of color. That's a very unique ex experience. And you said it, it was the 90s, but you were already seeing the signs that Nigerians and like, people of color would tell you have always been there. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so funny because when I was there, I would see these National Front posters up. In the suburbs where a lot of people of color live, and it would be like in the train stations, the National Front is watching you. <laughs> like oh so I said to my friend's cousin I'm like what's that she's like oh yeah that's the far right <laughs> like what so it was kind of it was very eye-opening to me you know I was like this 21 year old in France I'm like oh my god I'm in Paris and then you really realize like oh yeah I'm black <laughs> you know and I am different. And you grew up here in North America and you, you know there's a difference and there's racism and, and that sort of thing. But it really hits home when you go to another country and kind of is like up in your face. Because I, I was actually trying to get a job there. I was going to work the summer. So my name is French. I spoke French pretty fluently at that time. And they're like, yeah, sure. I, I, I called up for a souvenir shop. I'm like, I speak English. I speak French. They're like, yeah, sure. Is this over the phone? I go into the shop and they're like, oh, the position's taken. <laughs> So as soon as they got a look at me, they're like, no way. It's funny because there was a study two years ago, but one of the, the local universities here, and it made you know headlines in, in the paper and was on all the news stations. And the woman that had done this study basically was looking at the retail set and she had four, I guess, fake resumes. Two of them were a man and a woman of, with names that I guess were more North American sounding, like, you know, John Smith and Jane, what have right. you. And two were uh, male and female, but with quote-unquote ethnic sounding names. So for the white male, and I think even the female as well, but I know definitely for the white male, he had a criminal past on his resume, including theft and whatnot. So the woman submitted all the resumes. The, the qualifications essentially were equal. She, she tweaked one or two minor things so that each resume looked unique. But she found at an alarming rate the quote-unquote North American sounding names, even if they had lengthy criminal past were getting far more calls for interviews than the ethnic sounding. And she was on the news talking about, oh, how, you know, this is a, a big shock. And <laughs> she, she couldn't believe it. And I'm sitting there going, really? I'm pretty sure people have been saying that for a long time. Absolutely. If you're part of the group, the, you never have to really think about it. It doesn't exist. But for everyone else, it's a known fact that, you know, they've been trying to bring to your attention, but you've just conveniently decided not to, to bother with. And, you know, thinking in this film, they describe the, the horror of the boat going down. And you think of the amount of people who are traveling to Spain or various parts of Europe or North America any way they can just to get a job. Right just to get treated fairly. It wasn't even like they were asking for a raise. They were there doing their job. They just wanted to be paid fairly and they were getting screwed over by the powers that be. You know, it's, it's very disheartening. And then again, as you said, we come from a North American perspective where we're told all you have to do is just work hard. And if you work hard, you succeed. And it's like, well, it doesn't actually work that way in the real world. Even in North America, it doesn't work that way. And especially once you start to go around the world, it becomes even more glaring in terms of the discrepancies. And the thing is, you know, let's say Suleiman and his friends actually made it across Spain, right? They're not going to, it's not easy over there either. They're going to like, oh my, they're going to be 
discriminated against. They're going to be put in jail if they get caught. And they're most likely going to be cheated out of uh, money as well. So, you know, it's a tough go. You know, not to sound super pessimistic, but I mean, they might luck out and they might have friends and family or, you know, people they know that might be able to help them out. And there are decent people out there who want to help, you know, people get a, a, a step up so that they can start their lives. So there are good people out there. It's really tough. And it makes me think of, did you see the Stephen King tweet? <laughs> oh, yes. About judging art, but not... Diversity, yeah. As my sister screamed morning, she's like, if it was an equal playing ground, fine! <laughs> she got really angry. <laughs> but it's not an equal playing ground, so, yeah. And I know he tried to clarify with, you know, subsequent tweets after, but I think what really set people off about that and it's something that I wrestle with as well amongst my family members that notion of asking for a level playing field is seen as being weak or not you just can't cut it right and with like the King tweet I don't look at diversity one thing I just look at quality of the art and it's like okay but the art is being told predominantly from a particular perspective and when you hear people talk about certain films it's yeah yeah that's great that's great and then when you talk about a similar film but from a diverse perspective they go oh well it's 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 been done you know oh it's just uh <laughs> yeah a knockoff of this white film. It's like, no, it's actually doing something different. Well, that's the that's the crazy thing is that, you know, this is one of the reasons why I love Atlantic so much is because she's told a story where black people are shown living their daily lives. It's again, like I said, a, it's a slice of life. These young people are trying to make their way in the world. They're trying to create a life for themselves. There, There's no crime. There's no like no one's a prostitute. There's no stereotypes going on here. I have to also point out the tenderness of this film entirely. It's a really tender film. Like, Suleiman loves uh, Ada with all his heart, and he tells her she's beautiful. When they finally make love the end, and he's just, he's telling her he saw her in the wave. I was crying. I was like, Ooh. it's so tender, and it's so beautiful. And you don't see black love like that. This, These are the type of stories I want to see. I'm really kind of tired of seeing that slave narrative being rehashed over and over again. This is why I love Atlantics, because they're talking about Black people who are trying to make a way for themselves, and their adversity is something other than slavery, you know? There's a new issue now that they have to deal with, and this is trying to make it into the Western world and trying to get a piece of the pie as well. So I think it's really important that we have a director like Maddie Diop. Oh God, if I had like zillions of dollars, I'd be just throwing it at Maddie Diop. <laughs> like here, take the money. <laughs> yeah, and I and I completely agree with you. With you, I want more films like this. I want to see the vastness of the Black experience. You made a very interesting point when you said this is not a film about criminals and it made me think of the the cop in this film yes. Isa, who <laughs> the police are brought in and he says this you know police officer investigator who has been dealing with a recent rash of illness um and he's coming to look in on the case and when he goes to to Suleiman's house 
he treats him like he is, you know, just a regular street criminal. And the whole time I'm thinking, but we haven't seen anything that would warrant that type of treatment, right? Like, you know, you still get that, well, he's he's not of the the upper class. So immediately they, they believe he is a criminal. Someone claims they saw him, even though there was no actual evidence. Closest we get to the typical oh must be a criminal but even then maddie delpish makes it clear she's like no no this is not that type of story there could be tons of films like this just need to allow different directors to 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 tell their stories and it's funny um i love the detective isa i loved him he was so eager you know he's like trying to prove himself because he keeps like passing out and getting ill and it's like this great misdirection and that's what i kind of liked about the film too it's like there's a there's a lot of misdirection here i feel like she gives you some of the answers so you you as the viewer you're watching she's like i kind of know what's happening now but then there's another twist and there's a misdirection and it's also interesting too because when they're they're looking for suleiman you really get to see like the gender power structure his father who's pretty much non-existent for most of the film except for the wedding he comes to pick her up and they're at the police station answering questions and stuff you know he, he blaming the mother for for not raising the girls right you have you have her friend she is very very traditional and things that ada's other friends who are a little more how should we say westernized yeah a little more westernized that's that's the word i was, I was gonna say independent but more westernized you know she looks at them as being trash because they don't harbor the traditional values of what should be and she's getting it from all sides and all she wants to do is just live her life. You know who I really loved in this film as well? I feel like she was Ada's guide, is her friend Dior. This girl is living to how Ada wants to live. You know, Dior's <laughs> kind of been through it. And I love that she, at, at Ada's kind of betrothal kind of ceremony, or I guess, it, was it the wedding? I think it was the wedding. Yeah, it was the wedding. It was the wedding. And she's like, look, you got your choices here. You could either go off, be on your own, or you can stay with Omar. But she's like, there are consequences. And the reason why she's telling her that is because she's done it herself. She owns the bar. She's living on her own. So she's like kind of the voice of reason. And I really love Dior as her her guide and her voice of reason. So I really like that Lydia kind of made this universal love story. It really it really spoke to me in that way as well. Completely agree with that because this is this is a film that no matter who you are, what part of the world, you you will get it. You will understand plight. You know the the pull of love versus the pull of traditional values. And I think what she, I found she does really interesting with this film is she uses the sea to kind of set the vibe and i find the c fills in all the gaps for you you know so when the characters at the beginning are distraught the c is there and the waves are a little rough you know when ada and suleiman are you know having their moment it's right by the sea and it's almost angelic and ethereal as night hits and strange things start to happen spirits start to take over the sea is almost very haunting like it's just interesting how nature fills in all the little gaps which helps to provide the 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 universal flow of this of this film absolutely i think there's a term i'm looking it up here i remember in my um drama class uh, is it is it called pathetic fallacy? Is that I'm gonna look it up here. But yeah, it really does reflect the whole feel and vibe, and it makes everything so fluid and like as you're saying ethereal. So yeah, absolutely, it's surrounding them. 
and it kind of is the catalyst for everything. In many ways, this this film can't break from the sea. The sea, the sea is literally everywhere. And you know, it's funny. I went on vacation last year, and actually, I was by the Atlantic, and it really is hypnotic. I'm not a vacation person. I'm not a really a beach person. But when you're out there and you see the water, and it's just it just the sound of the water, the motion of the water, it's very hypnotic and it's very soothing. And there's just something really magical about it. So it, that really spoke to me as well in in the film. Uh, yeah, it just I thought it was really gorgeous. Ugh, I can't say enough about this film. I think we could talk about it for hours. Like it's so beautiful. Yeah, and this is definitely one that um, I, I recommend to people. And it's funny because I've, I enjoyed it when I saw it at TIFF, but I find that film festivals are sometimes like the uh, best and worst places to, to see a film. Yeah. But it has really grown on me a lot more since then. And, you know, the more I, the more I go back to it, the, the new little tidbits I find and the different layers unfold. So it's, it's definitely a wonderful film that I, I highly recommend people check out and you're so right to like you really do need to watch it multiple times because you will see different things each time and i think that's such a gift you know with the film carolyn thank you for coming on the show where can people find you well i'm not really doing that much writing on the website but it's find me on viewfromthedark.ca also i'll be doing a lecture on february the 29th on the omega man and it's called um the omega man's utopian dystopia so (laughs) Uh, come out. It's going to be like a half hour lecture, and then we're going to screen the film uh, for kind of black. Uh, the Royal Cinema. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it'll be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to that because it's one of my favorite films. It's such a mess, but it's great. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, bid submissions are open for uh, 2020. So, any filmmakers out there, any Canadian filmmakers, you want to send us your film? do so <laughs> excellent well thank you very much for coming on the show again you know you're a, you're a fan favorite so we love having you on here listeners if you want to find me i'm on twitter at small mind or you can find the show also on twitter at changing reels ac and you know wherever you're listening to us continue to do so and tell a friend you know we're available on itunes google play uh, we're now on spotify soundcloud so wherever you get your podcasts Look us up and and tell a friend. Thank you for joining us. And remember, you can change the conversation on diversity in cinema one reel at a time.